Well, before we uh, jump up into the message, uh, some of you may have seen a couple weeks ago, we sent out a financial update letter uh, for, for the year and just kind of give everybody an idea of what we're looking at uh, and how we're looking forward to uh, next year and the planning that we do as a leadership team uh, with our elders together. And so I just want to make sure that you have seen that, that you got that in your email. If you didn't, uh, let us know. Go to velocitychurch.info, connect with us and say, hey, you might not have my information or something. I thought I got stuff from you, but I didn't get this. And you can also see the letter that, uh, that is there on the page. If you have been blessed to be thinking about uh, end of year giving, or if you call Velocity your church home and you don't yet regularly give, uh, we just wanna let you know that that is a part of our ministry together here. Uh, it makes a, makes a huge difference in what we do and how we uh, minister into the community. And so we wanna make you aware of just kind of where we are with that, uh, what's going on with that, and what we're looking at uh, moving forward. So I wanna encourage you to check that out um, and look at that. Again, if you didn't get that email, you can go to velocitychurch.info and that letter is posted there as well. Well, yesterday, the kids had no idea what movie I was doing. I don't think today, I didn't tell them, but they asked to go out and shoot BB guns. And that was, uh, that was really timely. I didn't plan it that way to be able to say that this morning or anything, but they wanted to go out and shoot BB guns. And it's so timely because as Adrian mentioned, we're talking about the movie A Christmas Story. Have any of you... I don't know, should I ask if you have not seen it? How many of you have not seen A Christmas Story? Okay, a few of us have never seen the movie. Man, you are in for a treat if you ever decide to. Uh, There's just some classic things. Well, let me, let me uh, read to you this 1983, the IMDb description of, of this movie. So a little bit of, a little bit of spoiler alert, but it's, but it's okay. It came out in 83, so I think the, I think the moratorium on, on spoilers has, has ended. In the 1940s, a young boy named Ralphie attempts to convince his parents, his teacher, and Santa that a Red Ryder BB gun really is the perfect Christmas gift. And for those of you that have seen the movie, you know all the hijinks and the things that goes on uh, for, for that to uh, happen. Of course, uh, you know one of the most famous lines from the movie is that every time Ralphie brings up his Red Ryder BB gun, somebody says, you'll shoot your eye out. And, and you might wonder, like, what in the world does this, how could this possibly have anything to do with the Christmas story? And how, how are you going to make this weird connection between a Christmas story, which is just a silly, you know, all-American Christmas tradition movie, and what happens in the narrative of Jesus? Well, uh, what we want doesn't always bring us what we really need, and what we really need is peace. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, and that's, that's how we're going to connect these themes that exist in this movie and within the Christmas story. Ralphie doesn't like this answer that he's going to shoot his eye out because there's no way something like that could happen. I mean, he's got everything that he's going to do. He's going to be fighting bad guys. He's going to be in westerns. He's going to be shooting from the hip, you know, taking out ducks on the wing, you know, is one of his dreams that, that he wants to do. He wants to take out all the bad guys uh, in the town. He knows exactly what he's going to do with his Red Rider BB gun if he gets it. And shooting his eye out isn't even within the realm of possibility. Of course, he would never do something like that with this BB gun. Uh, spoiler alert, we get to the end of the movie, and despite everyone telling him, hey, you're going to shoot your eye out, he gets his BB gun. Of course, his mom early on says, no, absolutely not. It would be too dangerous. So that means his dad went and goes out and buys it for him. Okay. So it's sitting there in the corner behind the Christmas tree. And he thinks it is amazing. This is the best gift he's ever done, uh, gotten. And so like responsible parents, they let him run and grab it in the corner and just go out in the backyard by himself and don't teach him anything about how to use it or what would be dumb or not dumb, you know, and, and you know, what he's shooting at. So he goes outside, he goes in the back 
And the target that he picks is corrugated, corrugated sheet metal, all right? I don't know if you've ever shot a BB gun before, uh, but you, you got to be careful like shooting at a can that's full of liquid. I mean, that, those things don't penetrate uh, all that well. And so he goes out there, he shoots his gun, and the very first time the BB bounces right back and hits him, you guessed it, right in the eye. <laughs> Just so happens he has glasses on, and so uh, the worst happens when you have glasses. His glasses get broken, he gets a cut on his cheek, and so immediately he thinks, oh no. Everything that everybody warned me about, it came true. What should I do? And so he did the only thing that you really can do in that situation. He goes in and he lies about it, right? And he, and he says, I don't want this BB gun. I mean, this is the thing that I've always wanted. I finally got it. Then I did something dumb with it. I don't want it taken away. So he goes and lies about it, and his parents believe it because, well, they're not great parents. And we close out the movie with Ralphie clutching his Red Rider BB gun to his, his chest as he drifts off peacefully asleep, dreaming about the best Christmas gift he ever received and ever would receive. Do you remember what Christmas gift was like that for you? Have you do you have a memory maybe as a kid of, of like this one Christmas and this one gift that you got that will just always stick with you? For me, it was the original Nintendo. It just is. I mean, that, that's the thing that sticks out. And there are plenty of, plenty of uh, you know, other things, you know, like a bike or, you know, those kinds of things that, that I could pick. But for me, I just, I will never forget that Christmas morning, and I will never forget what it felt like to rip that paper open and just not have a clue that my parents would get me something so cool and amazing and just how, how that has impacted me from there. Maybe, maybe it's not necessarily a Christmas gift per se, uh, that you can relate to, but maybe you can think of something that you've wanted really, really badly, that you're hoping you're going to get it, maybe that God will give it to you or uh, make something happen that you desperately want to take place in your life. And no, maybe you know every once in a while what it's like for that to take place, to get something that you really want, uh, but all of us have had something that we really want in our life that doesn't happen or, you know, for some reason doesn't, doesn't come to be, it doesn't change, it isn't what we want it to be. And we could chalk it up to not learning how to be content. And maybe it's we don't properly, properly categorize wants versus needs, or maybe it's just something that all things considered just doesn't seem to be fair or right that we want to have corrected. Maybe all you really want for Christmas this year is something that can't be wrapped and put under a tree. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a repaired relationship. Maybe it's not to have to deal with sickness or disease. Maybe circumstances that put you in a better frame of mind is something that you want, but it's something that has always remained elusive. Things that on their surface seem totally reasonable or attainable, but just seem to be right outside our reach. And when we don't have those things that we desperately want, it can be di deeply difficult to be at peace. And yet part of the Advent season, part of celebrating who Jesus is and what he's done and what he's accomplished and continues to do, a peace is one of those feelings and it's one of those decisions that we're meant to be able to participate in. And not, not just at Christmas, but throughout, throughout the entire year. Ralphie, Ralphie gets what he wants, but he doesn't really learn the right lesson he gets this idyllic storybook ending, but he actually doesn't get what he needs in the story. And we kind of, you know, fade out with the snow falling, falling with the night, drifting off to sleep with this great, great present. And he thinks that because he has what he wants, everything's going to be great in his life. But he doesn't actually really get what he needs. And it doesn't produce the peace that really would be good for his life. 
I really like the description on the movie poster. I don't know if you can see that when we throw it up on the screen, but it's right up there at the top. It says, a tribute to the original, traditional, 100% red-blooded, two-fisted, all-American Christmas. And it seems like maybe the all-American Christmas is, hey, if you get what you want, you're going to be happy, and everything's going to be great in, in your life. But it doesn't always quite work that way. The all-American trend is probably to get what we want and not really learn the right lesson in our lives. Ralphie is told time and time again that he'll shoot his eye out, nearly succeeds in doing so, lies about it, gets to drift off to sleep, dreaming that he will use what he got to do, uh, what he got to do things he never will with it. <laughs> I mean, that's, those, those things he's dreaming that, that he, can, he can use this for, he's never going to do those things. And what he really needed was his dad to come out there and teach him how to use this tool <laughs> and, and develop those life lessons that we'd have for the rest of his life. Don't get me wrong, I'm still going to enjoy the movie. I'm still going to watch. I, I enjoy the humor and all the stuff and, and, uh, and all the things that, that go on within that. But it's a, such a poignant picture for our natural behavior when we want something we haven't gotten and what we do when we do have it. Nobody bothers to tell Ralphie why he'll shoot his eye out, just that he will. Uh, it's because he doesn't have a clue of how to use a BB gun and that someone needs to teach him how to use it properly. He's got this one track mind that fixates on this one thing, this single outcome for getting what he wants and that if it comes to, into being, everything will be right in the world. And he's not alone. There are plenty of times I've felt the exact same way. If I could just have this one thing and it would exist in my life and it, and it comes into being, then everything will be great. I'll be at peace, I'll be happy, I'll have everything that I've always wanted and that'll be the one thing. You ever get what you want though? and then that doesn't happen, I, I mean, it happens, happens all the time. There's, there's that lack of contentment that we have. We still have other desires. There's still something in that kind of comes in and fills that space once that thing has been given to us or we experience it in our lives. All of us have, on some scale, had that experience where we've gotten exactly what we wanted, and yet it didn't produce at all what we thought it would in our life. The best way to experience what satisfies our souls, however, isn't necessarily what we want. And the story of Jesus and his birth is a perfect example of this. And so here in a minute, if you want to turn to your Bible, we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. And as we read this passage, it, look, it's going to be a very familiar narrative, okay? So if you've ever been to a nativity, uh, you know, you've ever been to a Christmas Eve service, if you ever had, heard the Christmas story, this is going to be like, oh, Mary and Joseph had Jesus, and this is how it happened. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I know, I know the story, and it's very familiar, and, and who cares, all right? No, no I'm just kidding. We, we, we care, right? It's Christmas. Um, but I want, you, I want us to read, as we read this, I want us to get in a particular frame of mind, okay? I want us to really think about the reality of the situation and the context in which Jesus is born. What Mary and Joseph actually had to deal with and go through in order for this amazing, miraculous thing to take place. This great redemption story of a special baby is amazing, but there's also the constant tension of nothing really going to plan for Mary and Joseph. Looking back on things now, if we were to talk to Mary, Joseph and Mary right now and say, hey, you know, would you change anything about how things went? I'm sure they would say, hey, we're cool. We're totally cool with how things turned out. Like it worked out pretty, pretty good. I mean, we were, we were Jesus' parents, and, and so that, that was really neat. But if you ask them with all the things that were happening to them then, if this is what they thought life would be and if it was going to plan, they would say, no. If I were to choose or if I were to ask God for how my life were to go, this would not be the case at all. They'd probably say, 
you know, this isn't really what I wanted at all. It's not what they had planned for their lives and would have even been something they would have asked for. It likely upended how they wanted things to go, and yet within that, there's this powerful truth about who God is and what he does in our lives that brings about a reassuring peace. Okay, so within that context of things not really going according to Joseph and Mary's plan, let's, let's read this passage, Matthew 2, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be, Joseph, to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as, as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. All right, so we read that Jesus was born. This is the amazing history. Uh, you know, uh, this amazing historical event has taken place. It, 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 is, it rightly overshadows all the things of the moment that are happening then, in, you know, at the time Joseph and Mary were going through this. But again, consider how Joseph and Mary are thinking about this and experiencing that, this as it happens, this plan that God has that they don't. Mary gets pregnant during her engagement with jo Joseph, and this is a huge no-no. This is not something that you want to have happen. This is going to completely change how everyone around you views you, your friends, your family, the community that you're, you're, you're in. Like this is, this is not a good thing at all. You don't do that if you aren't married. And so now Mary's family and friends, we're all going to be looking at her in a, in a less than favor, favorable way is the nice way to put it. Although she has already made the decision to accept this, you know that she's going to be dealing with the fear and the doubt and the uncertainty of not really knowing what all this really means in her life. It's not going to be the happy occasion firstborn son scenario that she would have wanted or perhaps dreamed about as, as, a, as a young girl. Then you have Joseph. He would have been given the side eye too because, well, I wonder how Mary got pregnant, you know? And, and people are looking at that and say, they, they weren't married yet, and so you just don't do that. That's a big no-no. But all he knows is that he was not involved with the child that Mary now carries in her womb. And so he's thinking, man, what in the world? You know, we were promised to each other, and now, like, I've been, I've been scorned, I've been cheated on. What, like, what, what's happened here? So to distance himself from all of that and what he assumes is some other sin that is taking place, Mary cheating on him, he's going to break the engagement. Now, he could get his revenge. Joseph seems to be a pretty decent guy because he could drag her through the mud publicly. I mean, this, this could be a whole ordeal. So he could make sure that everybody knows that he's not connected with this situation whatsoever. And so he can make this terrible experience for her out of revenge. But, but he doesn't do this. He obviously cares about what happens to her, which probably makes the feelings that he's going through worse at the time. And so he's just, going to, uh, he, he's just going to go through what amounts to a divorce quietly so she can carry with her whatever dignity she might be able to keep. And so you think about this tension that they're in in the moment. You think about the plans that they have for their, wife, for their lives, how they thought things were going to go as a new married couple, and none of that 
None of that is taking place. Joseph, like Mary, then receives this message that this is not what it looks like, that God is doing something incredibly unique and special, something that is going to change the entire world. And this is the way through which God is saving humanity for their sin. And that's great. That's amazing. Now Joseph is, okay, I, I will have faith in that. I will trust in that. But think about, think about in practicality what that means for how he's looking at life and experiencing things. Like, okay, God, I, I really don't know what's going on. This is not what I would choose. This is not what I want. And yet I'm, I'm going to go along with it uh, because I'm not really sure what's happening here. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens with your plan. So Joseph and Mary are obedient. They raised Jesus, who is God with us, and the rest is history. But none of this went according to any plan they had for their own lives. Jesus is the coming Prince of Peace, but this is not a peaceful beginning in terms of Mary and Joseph's initial experience. And, and that's the trouble sometimes with what we want. Sometimes we get so fixated on the, how we would want things to go that sometimes we miss on maybe something the bigger thing is that God is doing or might have going on around us, in us, and through us that, that may be something even better than what we want. It might be something that we desperately need. There are times in life that we're confronted with the same type of experience where we really, we really want that one thing. It doesn't happen or it gets taken away. Whatever, whatever, it doesn't go the way that we expect, and we wonder what in the world God might be doing or trying to tell us. Or maybe in the really difficult moments, we wonder if he even cares about what's going on in our lives, and we just want things to be different. I believe that within the events of Jesus' birth, that God knows that tension exists for us. He knows exactly what Mary and Joseph are going through, but that he also has the best way forward to lead us through those things. And if we were to take what we desperately want, and maybe if we're willing to kind of set that aside and not, not discount it and not talk to God about it and not ask for, I'm not saying that, like don't, don't not ask for those, don't not ask. You can correct me later if that's, if that's not the right construction. Don't, don't not ask for those, those things, but understand that they might not be what you really need in that moment that God is willing to give that then produces what really is the deepest desire of our hearts and what we really did want all along. Sure, God would have figured out, you know, how, how to go about this if Mary and Joseph had said, nah, we're not in not interested. And so maybe we would have had like Harry and Sally, you know, the father, stepfather and, and mother of Jesus. I don't know how that would have worked. God would have done something else. But Mary and Joseph, if they hadn't said, you know what, it might not be what, what we want, but it's God's plan and uh, in some way, and maybe it'll produce what we need in our life. You know, if they hadn't gone through with that, they would have completely missed out on the second most significant moment, an event in human history, the first being Jesus' resurrection. What we want doesn't always resolve the tension of what we need. I say doesn't always because I always want to kind of leave some room for that. Like sometimes our wants match up with our needs, but most of the time we, what, what we want, it doesn't resolve the tension of what we need. And God knows that. He knows that we deal with that because we have a limited perspective on what is going on in our lives, and he's willing to produce exactly what we need in those moments. Invariably, along with Christmas comes the topic of presence, and so we ask each other, what do you want? 
I like, I like presents, and so I, I like when Renee asks, what do you want? Because I'm always like looking for that original Nintendo experience on the Christmas morning, right, of opening up these other things. And so we use educated guesses, or we go with cash, you know, to spark some uh, happiness and cheer and love, and those are great things. It also gets us thinking about what we'd really want, some Christmas miracle that we sigh about, or maybe we hold so close to our chest that we're not even sure why we aren't fully able to appreciate the season and the peace that we really want in some situation that we wish was different or better. And that's what we really do want. We want to be at peace in our lives, to have those issues resolved so that the tension can be gone, life to be the way that we envisioned it. We're tired of hearing over and over again, maybe that, well, you're gonna shoot your eye out if you get that thing that you really want. So we just want things the way that we want them. That's just a really poor way to define and pursue peace in our life because those wants are not the things that bring completeness in our lives. So much of humanity is leaving destruction in their wake by having things just the way they want them and then lying to themselves and each other about the consequences. Okay, Ralphie didn't actually put his eye out, but talk about a case of missing the point just because that exact thing didn't happen. And he's still dreaming about a false reality free from the consequences. That's how a Christmas story ends. And yet in the Christmas story, God wades right into the tension and exchanges the desires of our heart for the desire of his heart, which ultimately provides the peace in life that we all want and that we all need. Peace in the face of our wants comes from Jesus fulfilling our need for God. So when the Bible talks about peace, it's not talking about the absence of noise. It's not talking about freedom from disturbance. When, when the Bible talks about peace in the Old and New Testament, it's talking about a very specific context, context and content of completeness and wholeness. And that's why we're called to be peacemakers. It's because we're, we're called to be a part of things being made whole in this life. When we define peace, uh, we, we often mean we just don't want to be disturbed. We don't want to deal with the tension, but God loves us too much to allow us to not be with him. And so he engages us in the peace he desires to give us. Look, not everything that transpires in our life is because God is causing us to jump through hoops for no reason. The consequences of our sin and the sin of others and a sin-broken world are just that. They're just they're, they're consequences of that. However, God is always at work to resolve the lack of completeness that we feel deeply within our souls. He's always at work to bring us the peace that we so desperately want and need when we feel our needs aren't being met. And that ultimate need to be with him happens through Jesus, the Messiah, who came to take away the sins of the world and what separates us from what we really need and ultimately what our hearts really want. Much of Christmas can be about what we want, and yet we know that getting what we want isn't necessarily what comforts our souls. And the gift that God gives and we are invited to receive quiets our desire for more and establishes the peace of enough through Jesus. When God sent Jesus, he did something that seems totally counterintuitive. He took the thing that he really wanted, and that is us to be redeemed and reconciled to him. That's, that's what God really, really wanted in his relationship with uh, humanity is for us to be with him. He took that thing that he wanted, and he gave it to us through Jesus because that's what we needed the most. 
It's a totally different, different way of thinking. Instead of, instead of God looking, uh, lo- looking at us and saying, you know what, I'm going to make you want it, and I'm going to make you figure out how to get it. And you do it on your own. God takes care of both sides of the equation with Jesus. He says, what you really need ultimately is a relationship with me. That's really what I'd like to have happen in your life as well. And so you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, and I'm going to take the thing that I really want, and I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. He came to us, became one of us, died for all of us, and continues to live for all of us so that our existence could be made whole once again. It's no wonder, like I mentioned before, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, that uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Because the firstborn son of God, he, he is the ultimate peacemaker. He's the ultimate one who provides what we desperately need, ultimately what is the deepest desire and want of our hearts. And because of that, he makes our lives complete by allowing us to be redeemed to God and have a relationship with him. A Christmas story is all about a kid finally getting what he wants and not really dealing with the reality of the consequences of that. The Christmas story is all about us getting what we need, which is really what we wanted all along. So this week, I'm going to challenge all of us with one thing as we take, uh, take uh, from, from this Christmas story what happens with Mary and Joseph and what it really looks like to want what God wants and to think about how he supplies and provides for all, all of our needs and how that brings us peace in our life. What I really want us to do is take some time with this truth, consider what you really want. What, what is the thing, and, 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 and I'm not talking about specifically material possession, but I'm talking about things that, that are within our hearts that uh, maybe, maybe it's um, a renewed relationship, maybe it's a different interaction uh, with something in our life, maybe it's uh, different habits, may, uh, you know, wh- whatever those things, what, what is it that you really want in your heart? What is, what, is, uh, what is something that you desperately are looking for God to provide for in your life? And, and I want you to look at that and think, how, how, can, how can I give that away to someone else in my life? How can I look at how God handles this and takes this thing that he really wants, his relationship with us, and he provides it by sending Jesus to us, right? He gives away what, what he wants. And that is, that is in turn how we take part in that desire that he has for our lives. And so what would it look like for us to take our deepest wants and say, maybe it's, you know, I really, really want this person to call me or I really want, you know, this thing, thing to happen. And what if we did that for that other person? What if we took the time to say, hey, this, this thing that I really want in my life, may, maybe I can provide that thing for someone else. And in providing for, for their needs, what that does is it changes our perspective to open our art, hearts and our minds and our eyes to see how God is already providing for our needs in the midst of that one. And that could be an incredibly profound way for you and I to experience the peace that God has made complete in our lives because of Jesus this Christmas. So I really want you, I want you to spend some time this week and consider what that might look like. It's not necessarily something you've got to do immediately this, this week, but some, some way that you can allow God to kind of move through you and his Holy Spirit to share with you um, how, how, you can, how you can have a different perspective from maybe what your plan is to maybe what his plan is in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for... Um, knowing uh, what is best 
uh, that your perfect plan produces peace in our lives. And we thank you for giving Mary and Joseph the courage to uh, continue on through with your plan. We know that if they hadn't, that it wouldn't have been thwarted. You would have just used someone else who was willing uh, to, uh, to walk uh, with you in this life. We, got, we, uh, we see ultimately the result of what happens when we look for your plan and when we have faith in it and we trust in that and how it ultimately provides uh, for everything that we need. God, we praise you for this. Give us the uh, strength in your Holy, through your Holy Spirit, the wisdom that we need uh, to recognize this and to put it into practice in our lives, to share uh, this same peace uh, from uh, needing to have everything we want um, and, and instead being uh, willing to provide for others' needs and, uh, and develop that perspective of peace that you call us to, the completeness, the wholeness, and that you want us to, to partner with you in sharing with the world. God, we praise you for the birth of your son, Jesus. And even more so, we praise you for his resurrection and how he continues to uh, bring us uh, to you to enable us to be with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.